Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. And welcome to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world-famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis. Welcome to PR Insider. I'm Maureen Kettis. Mark your calendars. We air live every Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, on Voice America Radio Network's business channel. My guest today is Eric Desenhall, and he's co-founder and CEO of Desenhall Resources, and you can find him at www.dezenhall.com. They're one of the nation's leading crisis management firms, and he's authored uh, a few books. Uh, The one we'll be discussing today is Damage Control, How to Get the Upper Hand When Your Business is Under Attack, and he lectures for many institutions, including the FBI's Ethics and Leadership Conference, John Hopkins, NYU, and USC. He's a regular guy on cable news media and um, has written for New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, and the New Republic. And um, on the PR front, he was an account exec at Porter Novelli. And he served in the, off- the White House Office of Communications and Presidential Personnel during the Reagan presidency. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Maureen, for having me. You're welcome, and I know you're in Washington, D.C. today, um, so thanks for joining us um, on the air. Um, so tell me, what is damage control PR? How do you define it? It's making a problem go away, um, and it's very different than conventional PR, which is often to get in the news and draw attention to yourself, but my clients are people who have heartache, and they want the problem to go away. And, you know, a lot of the um, PR world sees, I mean, if if you're a hammer, the whole world's a nail. And if um, you see people and institutions come under attack, it's the instinct of the PR person, well, let's pitch the press. Um, Sometimes you either have a client that's so controversial or an issue that's not navigable, if that's a word, Mm -hmm. and um, navigatable. Navigatable. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure your your irate callers will. uh, (laughs) And I was only an English major, so. (laughs) Well, me me too, and I've and I've written seven books, and I don't know. So we're both in trouble. Um, But but I I think editors. uh, Yeah. Well, I've gotten red inked plenty. But the goal is uh, of damage control is to make a problem go away, right, right, and get back to business, right. So, so if if uh, my kind of PR is the you know I'm the hammer and and I, I've got the nail and I've got to get it in the press. Yours is maybe the uh, electric screwdriver pulling the screw out of the wood to get the problem well, out. Well, no, I think it, I think it's the right analogy, and I think that it doesn't mean what I do is right, what you do is wrong. In fact, I think there that we have plenty of cases where we are trying to get something into. Uh, the cultural bloodstream. Mm-hmm. It's just that damage control um, is 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 a trickier business, and it's a different it's a different skill set. And sometimes the people who are good at one aren't necessarily good uh, aren't necessarily good at the other. So do you? I mean, because I I felt like when I was reading the book, there were a couple like slight digs at my kind of PR, where you know we we do the you know, get 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 your client into the press kind of stories, a sales PR. But do you ever coordinate? It's nice to hear that you you don't feel that way. Do you coordinate with 
publicists who are trying to get their clients. Oh, of course. And in fact, we, you know, the, the dig is very specific. I mean, the dig is not that conventional public relations has no role on the planet. I mean, that's not what I'm, what, what I would be saying. I, I think the dig is, gee, um, John Edwards, you're in a bad situation. Let's pick up the phone and get you more interviews. So, you know, it's not like seven apologies will suddenly um, do, will get you more than maybe going away for a little while. And I think that, you know, PR people are loath to tell clients go away for a while because they don't make money that way. And, and I'm not suggesting, by the way, that my advice is always go away for a while. I just think that, uh, you know, there, there's a time if you have, um, diabetes, you want to see somebody with uh, who's a diabetes expert. If you uh, have a skin condition, you want to see a dermatologist. So it, it, it's all about the right application, not not whether one discipline is superior or inferior. Well, let's talk about John Edwards since you, since you brought him up. I mean, how, how was that, how do you think that was handled? I mean, you're in Washington, and, and you know, and, and was his Apology enough. Let's let's. You have the well, you apology know, scorecard. I want to talk about as well. Well, you know, it, it's funny. Whenever things like this happen, uh, you can tell the people who've never managed a crisis from those who have, because the ones who haven't will always say that it was mismanaged. Um, and you know, the fact is, is when you are putting out forest fires like I am, even if you succeed, there's still debris all over the place. Mm-hmm. So if you if you declare a crisis to have been mismanaged because there's still debris, that's really not a realistic assessment of what the goals were. Um, I think John Edwards, um, you know, he did as well as he could by doing one interview and then vanishing for a while, which I think was the right thing to do. Does it mean he was forgiven? No. And I think that, um, you know, part of the problem was his whole moral authority was anchored in being, um, I am the really good-looking guy who marries a, a a good but not glamorous woman. I mean, sort of like I, I think it's the movie. It's either Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles, mm-hmm. where you know the hot guy at school uh, ends up liking Molly Ringwald. So it's, it's a wonderful, you know, it, it's a wonderful story. The problem was, it turned out it was a lie, <laughs> and so it's very hard to dig your way out of it. But by choosing one particular venue and then vanishing for a while, it's the best that's doable. Uh, do I believe he can lead a constructive? Uh, life advocating for things he believes, yes. And that, uh, do I believe he's going to be president? No. That's damage control versus damage be gone, which is not my business. Right. Okay. And and um, you know, in in terms of your apology scorecard that's on your list, I mean, how does he how did he score in your opinion with? Oh, I mean, you know, I I guess he did above average. He he did the best that he could given the situation and and again we can't confuse the original sin with the apology and you know i mean i i know that y- you'll see, you can always find pundits to say well he should have been you know they always say this oh he should have been more sincere i mean the fact is is if you're going to apologize it's not like well if you do it seven times and you stand on your head and you touch your left fingertip to your nose and you say cock-a-doodle-doo, then 
the apology will work. You know, it's it's the original sin overwhelms all. So I I, I think he did did just fine, but he still is a problem. Now let me let's go back to this original sin thing. I mean, in this day and age, I had a client who was involved in some stuff, and we were told, you know, in this day and age, who cares? I mean, does it does it matter still, or does it only matter in politics? Does it matter? It matters. It matters what it is. I mean, you know, the, the, there are there are several variables. I mean, I remember somebody called me up uh, a TV show when Hugh Grant had his issue roughly in 1995 with the prostitute mm-hmm. and said. You know, oh, how should he handle the crisis? And I said, what crisis? Uh, you know, a guy, uh, a guy involved with a prostitute, a Hollywood actor. There's really no crisis. So there might be a personal crisis with his girlfriend. And you know, similarly, Paris Hilton. I remember, you know, somebody said called me for some commentary. Oh, Paris Hilton's in jail. How does she get out of this crisis? Uh, her whole brand is being in trouble. That's, Bad girl. That, that, that's, that's who she is. Uh, a bad girl. Now, mm-hmm. now, if she wanted to be a Supreme Court justice, that would be a problem. Uh, so it's it's all about context. Uh, one of the reasons Bill Clinton survived Lewinsky is because we didn't learn anything about him that we didn't already know. Um, whereas, you know, when if a Republican gets caught in a morals-oriented scandal, well, if you're running around pre- preaching family values and you have a strange incident uh, in an airport bathroom, um, that's, the, that's sort of explosive. So a lot, you always have to look at context. Uh, and even in the corporate sense, um, a lot of times, uh, you know, companies that are industries that are already not liked do something that makes them unlikable, but their stock price never suffers. So you have to ask yourself clinically, you know, is there a crisis here? And I agree with you. I, I think that um, there are plenty of situations that are no-brainers that move in and out of the news in three seconds. And sometimes what I have to do is try to restrain a client from wanting to increase the half-life of the story by constantly responding. Right, by appearing in the media. I mean, it's better to – I mean, I think it sounds like from your book, it sounds like in some instances it's better to be out there, and in some instances it's better – to be hidden and not and not to let it blow over. Well, that's right. I mean, if you're a senator uh, and you have a constituency, uh, you obviously can't say it, it's harder, rather, to say um, I'm a private person. Mm-hmm. And no, you're not. If you're a senator, um, I, I get I get into strange conversations with reporters who go after my corporate clients. We you know. I remember one person, a young person saying uh, at one of the magazine shows, I have a right to see your client's files. And I said, what, what, what right is that? <laughs> uh, and there was sort of stammering something, you know, First Amendment. And I said, look, the First Amendment, you know, you want to skewer my client. You don't have the right to skewer my client. Uh, you don't have a right to their files. You have no rights at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, you know, in this day and age, when you can find out, uh, you know, you could type in somebody's name, find their address, and zoom in on Google Earth on their front door. People are under the impression that they have the right to know things about yourself and about your business that, in fact, they don't have. Right, right. And I think now with a, you know, with a president who uh, is an expert in constitutional law, we're gonna <laughs> it's going to be harder for people to get away with that. Um, you know. I, I'm always curious, is you know, how does a client 
find someone like you besides the book? Or does the book is the, all do you all roads lead to that damage control book? Well, no. I mean, I've written I've written other books. I mean, I, I have I've written another nonfiction book on damage control, and I've I've written five novels. And um, the way people get to me is word of mouth. I mean, I I, I think that there's really not a lot of us who do this. Mm-hmm. And I think in the last few years, you have you know every PR firm ever is sort of going, yeah, crisis management, that's what we do. But I think what the reality is there are not many of us, and our business comes from expanded business with existing clients and word of mouth. I mean, we really don't don't market. Um, I think, you know, if you want to consider writing a book or appearing on Chris Matthews marketing, okay, I suppose I do that. But this is a very, very intimate business. Mm -hmm. And I always marvel at people who claim to do crisis management who list all of their clients on their website. It's sort of like a psychiatrist, you know, listing all of her patients on the website. I mean, I I, I can't believe it. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, you get a reputation and people say, you know what, when we had this problem, this is who we called, and uh, that's how it's handled. But I can't, you know, start putting on my website or writing in my books case studies. Right. In fact, um, you know, one of there's a chapter in damage control that's called that says the best managed crises are the ones you'll never hear about. Right. Well, we're uh, going to have to take a break. Okay. So when we come back, we'll talk more about this and, and how someone gets into this uh, career. Um, this is your host, Maureen Kettis, and we've been talking with Eric Duesenhall, and we'll be back right after this commercial break. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Is your job heavenly or closer to hell on earth? Maybe it's time you stop waiting on employers to make you satisfied and learn how to recognize your own career contentment. Jeff Garden and his expert guests show you how every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific when you tune into Career Contentment Radio on the Voice America Business Radio Network. Contentment is yours to control and easier to achieve than happiness or satisfaction. Precision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. 
T-I-S-I-O-N.com. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Listening to PR Insider with your host Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to PR Insider. I'm your host, Maureen Kettis. Before we begin, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor, Cision. Visit their website, us.cision.com, and they are much more than the world's biggest database company, and they're a one-stop shop for publicists, and I can't live without them. So I've been talking with Eric Desenhall. He's co-founder and CEO of Desenhall Resources, www.desenhall.com. It's uh, one of the nation's leading crisis management firms, and he's the author of Damage Control, Why Everything You Know About Crisis Management is Wrong. <laughs> I've been doing it all wrong. Um, so we're, I want to get to some, some cases, you know, some famous cases sure. that we all know about. But before we do, I want to ask, why do celebrities and businesses get attacked? Who's attacking them, and why does, it, why does this happen? Well, you know, it, it, it's funny. Um, I think that uh, th- there's different reasons ranging from legitimate complaints mm-hmm. um, to other agendas. I mean, we divide our cases into what we call crisis situations and marketplace assaults, and they're different. And the marketplace assault is really when a motivated adversary is going after you versus you did something legitimately wrong. And, you know, one of the things I always object to when people are always throwing out how the answer to all crises is an apology is, what if you didn't do it? (laughs) And um, so, you know, it it, it depends. I mean, most of the people who come after my clients, I mean, the ones who legitimately do something wrong, the solution is rather straightforward. But a lot of times you see plaintiff's lawyers are behind something, uh, the media are are interested in keeping something in the news. I mean, mm-hmm. I think back to several years ago when JetBlue had all of those cancellations. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on CNBC and the interviewer said to me, why is JetBlue in such a mess? And I said, because you keep inviting guests on asking them why JetBlue is in such a mess. And <laughs> and so, um, you know, the point is is you, you have to sort of throw away PR 101 because what if you have a media outlet that wants your crisis to continue to stay in the news. Uh, So is that a marketplace assault? Or is that the media? Well, it's probably probably a hybrid. But uh, the point that I'm making is a lot of the age-old PR 101 advice about how to handle something doesn't factor in what if you have a motivated adversary um, that, that only gains by continuing to attack you. I mean, so you have to sort of dispense with the notion that, oh, let me sit down with my critic and explain things to them. Uh, I mean, one of the points I make in the book is there's a difference between a communications problem and a conflict. And a lot of what my clients are facing are very fundamental conflicts. There's no misunderstanding there. Somebody's coming after you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Can you give an example, a famous example of a marketplace assault? 
Well, yes, um, Audi, uh, the car uh, in the mid-1980s, uh, there were allegations that the car engaged in what was called sudden acceleration, the notion that it just took off. And um, There was a woman who lost her child. There was a woman who lost her five-year-old child, and she was the one that sort of started the whole issue on you know, on 60 Minutes, and it turned out, um, you know, y years later, she admitted that her foot had been on the accelerator by accident, but the point was is that you had all of these um, uh, people, plaintiff's lawyers uh, and media outlets, there was simply too much in it for them. So, you know, it was hard to just sort of explain to people scientifically that the car just didn't take just didn't take off because everybody had a vested interest um, to keep it staying in the news. So you know it's not. I mean, one of the things I always tell clients in these situations is don't don't delude yourself into believing we humans are in control here. You're dealing with these large kind of weather systems that sometimes play to your benefit, I mean, witness Barack Obama's success, and sometimes go go against you. Um, you know, sometimes you can't get out of a weather system. Right, and that was really, I mean, that Audi was sort of ruined by that. I mean, that's... They disappeared for 10 years. I mean, now they've since come back, and, you know, they weren't helped by the fact that, you know, it's a German company, and German companies... Um, you know, re react differently than American companies. I mean, uh, at, the, at the time this was happening, uh, Audi's slogan was the art of engineering, mm -hmm. and the, the the Chevrolet commercials, the, the slogan was the heartbeat of America. The point being, we're very emotional in America. It's all about emotion, and you had these, uh, you know, German executives saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with this car, look at the phys physics data. Well, we don't look at physics data. Mm -hmm. they, they they made the wrong appeal because you had this perfect story with the villain and the and the tragedy with the child. Exactly. And the mother, and then it was playing out in the media, and the, and the big evil behemoth was taking over, and they were German. Right, exactly, and that was a case that, that when I was at a prior firm, uh, I, I worked on, and, and you know, it's always funny to me to see, you know, we Americans, we love to attribute things to masterminds. If something went well, somebody masterminded it. If something went badly, somebody botched it. And the reality is, um, a lot of these things are are really weather systems that are sort of a combination of stuff that is happening out there mm -hmm. with. Um, you know what you do to deal with it. Wow, let's talk about because um, you have a whole chapter devoted to the Tylenol case <laughs> because it's used as a barometer for every crisis. It seems so. It, it is. Why and is it? And and and, ha and 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 tell me about the Tylenol case. Well, the, the essence of the Tylenol case was in October uh, 1982. Seven people died uh, by as a result of taking cyanide, uh, Tylenol that was laced with cyanide and uh, in the Chicago area. And it was a terrible case. And, um, you know, uh, the Tylenol case has become sort of this legend. If you see the movie The Insider with Russell Crowe mm -hmm. uh, about tobacco, he, there's this scene where he sweeps his hand 
and says, and look what Tylenol did. They immediately recalled the product, and the problem went away. Well, there's a problem with the Tylenol legend, which is it simply did not go down as it has been reported. The company did not immediately recall the product. It took seven or eight days, which is a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the company also said that there, it is not possible that cyanide could have been in our facilities when it turned out there was cyanide in their facilities, even though, by the way, they didn't cause it. The point that I'm making is not that Johnson & Johnson did anything wrong, but that if you're going to use it as a crisis management case study, don't base it on uh, false information. And what ended up happening there was a PR firm brilliantly took the case and kind of rewrote it and went on a road show um, merchandising it around the country about how it went down, although it didn't go down that way. And so now you have all of this legend that, oh, they immediately recalled the product. And um, and they did the tamper uh, safety uh, lids, but those, in fact, were already on the pipeline for them. They were in the pipeline. And, you know, they did some good things. I mean, I think the CEO, uh, the CEO uh, Burke, was very, very strong. And I think they did an ad, a big ad campaign introducing this, the, 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 the tamper-proof uh, lid. So it's not that they did something wrong. It's just that it should not be used as the template simply because most crises don't even begin to resemble what happened there. The other thing is, is, uh, let me put you on the spot for a second. I mean, if you're worried, you, Maureen, are worried about, uh, cyanide laced Tylenol and you have it in your cabinet, what do you do? Throw it out. You throw it out. Now, if you had a $40,000 SUV that you were worried about rolling over, and I said, well, Maureen, my crisis management advice, just throw it out. Not so easy. <laughs> so um, the other thing is, is, is when, uh, you know, when, when a company is attacked by a lunatic, you're going to get out of it because nobody is saying you are killing people. Nobody was saying Tylenol intrinsically is dangerous. They were saying Tylenol was laced with cyanide. Um, the clients I get are often accused of doing things that are intrinsically bad. And so you can't go with this sort of glee club, cutesy approach that, oh, let's do what Tylenol did. Let's call, recall it right away. I mean, frankly, so many of my clients get, I mean, if you are, if you are manufacturing millions of products, uh, you are you are getting complaints virtually all the time about faulty products. Companies would be doing nothing all day long but recalling products if the right thing to do was to recall it right away. So the moral of the story is, is that you know you can look at good things that Johnson Johnson did, but it was not flawless. Nothing is flawless. It did not go down the way some have portrayed it, but the PR industry loves it because it's a very nice, closed-circuit, happy-ending story. (laughs) Yeah, and actually they portrayed themselves really as the victim. I mean, and that's what saved them. They were. Yeah, and they were the victim. Exactly. Um, uh, And so will, will companies that are, like, producing dirty products you know, oil, tobacco, firearms. I mean, how are they? How do they succeed when they have, when they have these? I'm always curious about, and in fact, I want to do a show interviewing some of these publicists that work with these companies. 
But how did they uh, get out of problems like, you know, Exxon Valdez? I mean, that right. was just... Well, when, when you work for uh, some rough industries, and, and, and I have in the past, you have to first understand what your goal is. Your goal is not to get everybody to love you. It's to get them to stop attacking you. And that's a very different discipline. Um, you know, I had the head of an oil company say to me once, uh, he was recommended to me by a cosmetics company we, I worked with and said, you know, can you, can you do for me what you did for, you know, XYZ Cosmetics? And I said, no, I can't. And he said, why not? And I said, because you're an oil company. Nobody likes you. <laughs> and We're not spreading you on our skin. Uh, yeah, and, 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 you know, so we start, we, we start with that baseline. And, you know, I, I find that, um, I mean, I've never really liked this British Petroleum, uh, ad campaign because... They're trying to appear green. Well, they're trying to be, yeah, and they're not a solar power company, and, and that campaign has infuriated environmentalists. And, uh, you know, when G, when BP had problems with a plant explosion in Texas and a pipeline rupture, you know, running ads saying basically that you're a solar power company, it just ticks people off. Right. And I just don't think that's the answer there. Right. All right. Well, we need to take stop for a moment, take another break. This is your host, Maureen Kettis, on PR Insider. We're sponsored by Decision. We'll be right back with Eric Diesenhall uh, of Diesenhall.com, the nation's leading crisis management. We'll be right back after these messages. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Decisions Communication Intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. C-I-S-I-O-N dot com. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or an individual and you need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Mega Life and Health Insurance Company can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and individuals just like you who need affordable health insurance to get it. So call us right now. 888-459-4825. 888 4-8-2-5. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance. It's not worth it. If you're self-employed or an individual and you need affordable health insurance, call us now and see how we can help you. 888-459-4825. 888-459-4825. 888-459-4825. Home office, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Not available in all states. Benefits may vary by state. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, 
2013. Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again to PR Insider. I'm your host, Maureen Kettis. We're sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. We do take call-ins and emailed questions, so if you want to, go to prinsider.biz to learn more and also sign up for our email alerts. And if you've missed any of the show or you want to hear an archive show, you can always find them on Voice America's website. Just look for my host page. And we also give, a, give away prizes. If you just joined us, We've been talking with Eric Desenhall, co-founder and CEO of Desenhall Resources. You can find him at www.dezenhall.com. It's one of the nation's leading crisis management firms, and he's the author of Damage Control, Why Everything You Know About Crisis Management is Wrong. Eric, welcome back. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So uh, we were talking a bit about dirty businesses, tobacco, firearms, British, British Petroleum, and... Um, so how do you how do these companies get hostile audiences to like them? Well, I don't know that they do. I, I think that um, you know the phrase "preaching to the choir" always has a negative connotation, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't. But I so I think that uh, when you have an unpopular industry, um, you're, you're really is your is your objective to get everybody to like you, or is it your objective? To, to keep your base. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think of when Martha Stewart, even though her industry is not a dirty industry, mm-hmm. um, a lot of what she ended up doing, I think correctly, was trying to rally uh, the base of people who bought her products. Um, you know, I, Eric here, I'm not a, uh, a buyer of Martha Stewart products, so what I think of her doesn't matter. But a lot of women um, f- to whom her products did matter found that she was getting, believed that she was getting railroaded and mistreated. So she really focused on preaching to groups she need, needed. I think with oil, I mean, I, I don't, we, all of us need gasoline. Uh, so I don't think that really the objective is to convince us that we need gasoline. We do. So what they end up having to do is is fight hard at a lobbying level uh, where they think that they might be able to have have an impact rather than deluding themselves into believing uh, you're going to get um, you know get the public to feel warm and cuddly about oil. It's just not going to happen. So how do you, so so let's go to Martha Stewart. How do you think um, that was handled? I, mean, I, I remember I thinking, oh my gosh, she comes out of jail. She's like looking fabulous. She's got the poncho on that her 
inmate friend made for her. She suddenly got down with the people. She, it seemed like the, the best PR move, but I don't know if... I think going to jail was the best PR move. I mean, and I'm not kidding. I mean, I, I, I think that um, uh, what she did initially, and remember, she got what she got in trouble for was not insider trading, but by lying and talking about it. And so the the whole idea uh, that, I mean, sometimes when you're dealing with a legal situation, uh, talking less is what you have to do, even though it's not necessarily good PR-wise, mm-hmm. um, because it was the things she said that landed her in jail. And I remember debating somebody about the Martha Stewart case, and, and they came up with your PR 101. Oh, she just needs to fess up and apologize. And I said, you know, when, you, when you're facing criminal trial, and I've worked on plenty of these, you can't fess up and apologize because it's admissible in court. Right, and you're so you can't, telling you not to. Well, right, and and you know you can't say, "Let me just take this opportunity to say that I'm sorry for that thing that I did not do." I mean, so uh, you know you, you're not in a very good position. But I think that when there was some appeal and some debate, mm-hmm. she decided to just get the prison sentence over with. And when she came out, everybody applauded. And you you kept hearing people go, oh, what brilliant PR. Well, no, it wasn't brilliant PR. Um, basically, what, do you, what are people going, going to say? Well, you know, she probably should have been executed. No. I mean, so she did her time. She put it behind her. Uh, and she got out to rebuild her company. And I, you know, I reject the notion that, you know, she should have apologized better. Martha Stewart never apologized. And frankly, a lot of the people who are her audience felt she was getting railroaded and didn't want her to apologize. Right, right. Um, let's talk about, I want to talk about a few other cases too. Sure. That have been, you know, high profile in the media. Um, <clears throat> The Martha, oh, sorry, the uh, Sarah Palin and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the shopping controversy and how did you think that was handled? And well, she had, I mean, talk about getting caught up in a bad weather system. I mean, she really, she really did. And I think that, um, you know, when you have a an unpopular personality and you have a media that wants to really get that, get that person, anything that validates the notion that she, um, you know, validates the notion that she's what? What did people say? Caribou Barbie? Um, you know, it, it ends up becoming newsworthy. And I think that her biggest PR problem was really, I mean, before we get to the clothes, was the fact that she was not ready for prime time. Right. Uh, you know, she spoke very well at the convention and when I first heard she was nominated I thought well yeah I've never heard of her maybe she'll be very good but and she was a very good speaker mm-hmm. but she was not very good um, under fire for Katie Couric and you never allow your client to get in a position where they are going to be hammered by someone hostile and they're not ready and um, I think that what probably should have happened with her is they should have spent a heck of a lot more time um, before she was ever even formally named, poking and prodding her to see if they she could handle it, and they didn't. As for the clothing, um, you know, I, I heard her um, interviewed, and I think that um, what she, what she ended up doing was explaining that these were not these were not uh, her clothes, and so, in fact, some of what ended up coming out was that some of the things attributed 
to her, such as that you know she demanded the clothes and she demanded that her family had clothes, turned out not to be true. Um, but by that point, uh, you know, the election was all but over. Right, or at least that's what she said. We don't really well, 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 right, and we don't know. I mean, look, you know, all we know as members of the public is what is what she said. We don't know what the what the empirical truth is. So, you know, it's hard to comment on that. Right, right, exactly. Um, and how about the? I remember the, and you mentioned it in your book, the um, the finger in the chili in Wendy's. Well, that, you know, that was another one. Wendy's, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, a woman found uh, a finger in her chili. And I, I did, I wasn't involved with the case, but I did some on-air discussion of it. And I remember somebody saying, um, well, the company should just recall the chili. And my view was somewhat different. I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with the chili. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what you're going to find is a grifter. You're going to find a criminal. And uh, the, the crisis management strategy is not to recall the chili and to do soft focus ads saying that we care. Uh, the answer is to find the perpetrator, and that's ultimately what happened. It took a month or two, and um, you know the idea. I mean, traditional PR people, the idea of hunting down a perpetrator doesn't strike people as very good PR. But again. You're, when you're dealing with a criminal, that is exactly what you have to do if you believe the allegation is unholy. And uh, was it resolved right away? No. But it, um, it became clear that you were dealing with a criminal, and once that was exposed, the company could begin the long road to rebounding, which uh, they have. Right, right. So is, is, this is a question that came in actually from a listener. Is damage control well-controlled, a well-controlled tale of redemption? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know, I, I had there is a chapter in damage control that does that that does address that that uh, something like a Martha Stewart case. I mean, a, a case well handled is really a story of redemption. Um, it is a story of putting something uh, putting something behind you, but it also can mean uh your redemption can come in the form of fighting back uh you know the term apologia as originally understood in in the greek context didn't mean you're sorry it meant an apologia was a vigorous defense and you know when you've done something wrong repentance is definitely the right course of action but if your position is that the attack is unjust then the answer is not apology the answer is pushback wow and what do you mean by pushback Fighting it, mm-hmm. um, fighting it. Um, I, you know, I think that um, you know one of the cliches, and I talk about this in the book about the Clinton and Lewinsky scandal is, oh, he apologized and the problem went away. Well, that's not what happened. Uh, the first thing Clinton did was lie. The second thing he did was use the time in which the lie was taking hold to investigate his adversaries on the Hill. Then he exposed his Republican hypocrite attackers and then once they were exposed he then apologized when his enemies were had been already neutralized and he did a lot of spinning which we, i want to talk about when we get sure. back spinning on the words but uh, we have to take another break and this is your host maureen kettis we've been talking with eric desenhall of desenhall.com one of the nation's leading crisis management firms and we will be right back with eric we can uh, commercial break we 
Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Decisions Communication Intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. C-I-S-I-O-N dot com. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Listening to PR Insider with your host Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again to PR Insider. I'm your host, Maureen Kettis. We're sponsored by Cision. If you missed any of our shows so far, go to prinsider.biz, and we can provide a link to my host page on Voice America's business channel. And you can always check out archived episodes. We are on 24-7 on demand. And if you just joined us, I've been speaking with Eric Desenhall, co-founder and CEO of Desenhall Resources. You can find him at www.desenhall.com and make sure to pick up a copy of his book Damage Control, How to Get the Upper Hand When Your Business is Under Attack. It's a really great read. Um, and uh, so we were talking a bit about Bill and Monica, which always seems to come up, but it was really one of the most unbelievable PR campaigns ever. I mean, and just damage control. And So um, uh, how, 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 where, where were we saying? How, how did you think it was handled? 
Well, you know, even though a lot of what Clinton did was immoral, it was effective, and that that gets into a whole ethics debate. Um, and I think what we were starting to say before the music played is that was a classic case of of pushback. One of the things that Clinton's people, you know, on one hand, Clinton would come out and say, you know, we must stop the politics of personal destruction, and then he would call in Carville and say, kill him. And um, what you know, what they found was the very resonant um, sort of the fulcrum of pushback was the fact that you had all these Republicans in Congress who engaged in similar behavior to him. And the key was is was to make that come out. And when it came out that a lot of these big Republicans were adulterers as well, uh, when, it came to, when it came time to remove him from office, a lot of them thought, you know what? Let's just go home and watch Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't want to remove him from office because we're in trouble. So, right. you know, he only ended up apologizing after his his adversaries had been eliminated. And some of what good damage control is 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 fighting back. And that, and in order to fight back, you need something to fight back with. And what, and what he had was a an emotionally resonant principle. Okay, people just didn't like the idea of a conservative prosecutor going after a Democratic president. Uh, number two, you had Republicans who were engaging in behavior that, were, that was hypocritical. Number mm-hmm. three, uh, you had a, a guy who we didn't learn anything about Clinton during Lewinsky that we didn't already know. Right. Number four, you had a Dow Industrial Average at 10,000 for the first time in history. And I really believe that if Clinton had been messing around with Monica during a recession, he probably would have been removed from office. Right, then it would have been the, the, the storm that you talk about. Exactly. So um, let's talk a little bit about your um, your work. Um, what procedures do you undertake when you take on a new case? How do you ter- determine if you can help the client? Well, you know, it, it's not unlike a doctor. You you do a CAT scan. Um, you, you first of all, we have to ask ourselves: Do we want this client? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is this somebody who is capable of getting out of this problem? Because a lot of times you have people who or companies that are either so guilty or they have no intention of fixing the problem and i don't believe in the legal analogy i mean you hear well everybody deserves the right to a defense well the constitution does allow that in the legal sense but i don't didn't have never seen anywhere in the constitution that allows a company uh the right to a good image so i reserve the right not to work with somebody if I'm just uncomfortable with it. Second, we have to look uh, look at the facts. Um, uh, among the mistakes I've I've made earlier in my career was not asking hard questions. And you know, inevitably, especially when you're dealing with these big trials, you know, you'll have a defendant um, in, in the corporate sense, by the way, who who will say something like. All these allegations, it's complete BS, it's absolutely not true, mm-hmm. and it turns out some of it is true. Right. So, you know, if if it turns out that we have a client that really is being witch-hunted, um, that, you know, and we have uh, an incredible alternative story to tell, I think the chances are great that we're going to win. But if if we don't have a good story to tell, the client needs to know it, uh, right up front, and every client thinks they have a good story to tell, but they don't. Right. I, I mean, I find that in my kind of PR, you know, that they all they all think they're newsworthy, and sometimes it's 
you know, they've lost sight of the big picture because they're so involved in their little microcosm. Well, that's right. And I think, you know, I've had people read my books and say, oh, yeah, he wrote a chapter on witch hunts. That's what's happening to me. And, you know, th- that that's not the case. But I, I do believe that one of the challenges is dealing with the news media that viscerally sides with anybody who claims to have, uh, you know, a hostile allegation um, about a corporate party. Um, I have a lot of listeners who are um, in PR and marketing and um, if they wanted to get into this kind of PR, what qualifications make a good PR expert in this field? Well, you know, I, I, I have found, I look at the people who work for our firm, and I have had a lot of, I have had success with uh, investigative reporters. Um, I've had success with people with political backgrounds, and the reason political backgrounds are important is even though we don't do political work, um, most PR people are from sort of the marketing school, mm-hmm. and the marketing school assumes a relatively neutral audience, whereas the political school assumes deeply dug-in ideological differences. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of the model that we apply, I mean, I got my start in politics, is sort of a political pushback point of view. Um, I also think that, um, you know, we've the PR people that we've worked well with are, are actually people who've already dealt with controversies and litigation as opposed to just generic um, kind of conventional uh, publicity. Um, you know, you really, you really do need, I mean, one of the trick questions I, I've, I often ask in an interview, even though it's not so trick if I'm saying it on radio, I guess, um, is tell me about your losses. And if somebody says, basically, I'm so good that I haven't had losses, I don't want anything to do with them. Because if you're going to work in an environment like mine, um, you're going to have a lot of losses. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to ha- have your rear end handed to you on a plate. And I'm very interested in knowing and listening to people handicap how they've lost and what they would have done differently. Well, I mean, it is crisis management, so you have to be able to handle yourself in a crisis. <laughs> well, that, that's right, and, and part of handling yourself in a crisis is understanding that not all of the toothpaste gets back in the tube. <laughs> wow. Um, and what do you do with clients um, who don't listen to your advice? Well, you know, it happens all the time, um, and sometimes, you know, we do our best to pre-select. I mean, if you know, we won't, we will not report to a committee mm-hmm. uh, because committees don't lend themselves to this type of type of. Right. They're all situation. trying to save their own neck and in the in the confines of the uh, of the company to save their job. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, everybody is looking to protect their own little rice bowl, mm-hmm. and they're not looking necessarily to defend the company. And so the, those situations are, are ripe for failure. But, um, you know, we've walked away from clients that don't listen. We've simply not taken on mm-hmm. clients that we don't think will listen. And in other cases, we split the difference. We say, okay, you've, um, you know, we've given eight bits of advice. You've listened to four. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to have to uh, to say goodbye for today because that's all the time we have left. I, I just want to thank my incredible guest, Eric Desenhall. You can find him at desenhall.com. Please pick up a copy of his book, Damage Control, How to Get the Upper Hand When Your Business is Under Attack. This is your host, Maureen Kedis, and please check us out next week. We're doing a whole discussion of PR and ethics. I want to thank my executive producer, John Missile, and my sponsor, Cision. Check them out at us.com. 
C-I-S-I-O-N.com. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to relate to your public, whoever they may be. Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. And have a great week.